For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Chandler Gwadneen, and I'm joined in the studio today by Jerry Miller, who is the voice of the Idaho State University Bengals. Most recently, he was inducted into the Bengals Hall of Fame and received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the university. Thanks for joining me today, Jerry. Oh, it is a pleasure to be here, Chandler. It's great to have you here. So... Welcome back. I have to say that because we know that you, you used to run the station here at BYU-Idaho. <laughs> well, I don't know. If, I don't know. Uh, I never ran the station here, but as a student, I participated back in the early 70s before my mission to South Korea in uh, 71 and 2 and again after in 74 and 5. Wow. Wow. So tell me more about your time at Rick's then. You know, it was... Uh, a unique time for me. I grew up about five miles outside of Rexburg, went to high school at Sugar Salem. Uh, I was seminary president and I got a $50 leadership scholarship to come to Rick's College. And I hadn't even thought about going anywhere else. So this is where I went. Uh, I attended the year before my mission and um, Kay Wilkins and John Haberly and Alan Brassard were the uh, the adult uh, directors of broadcasting back at that time, and and Kay gave me the opportunity to go to the Hart Gymnasium and announce Rick's College basketball on the school's small 10-watt AM station, KVIK. And I did that before my mission and again after my mission and uh, launched what became almost a lifetime career. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, calling games and announcing play-by-play has never been a full-time job for me. It's always been part-time. Right. And you went about painting houses and doing all those things. Um, when we lived in when we lived in Pocatello, um, and the radio station I worked for, uh, the boss said, and I worked there full time as program director and sports announcer. He said, "Well, we've got to let you go, but we'll still keep you on to do games at a hundred bucks a game," and. Because I loved it so much, I said, okay. And then I went to people, people in my ward found out, you know, hey, Jerry's basically unemployed. And so I had members in my ward uh, hire me to uh, split and deliver firewood to paint old rental properties. I drove a tractor and uh, plowed and disked fields for another uh, brother in our ward. Uh, For a guy in our stake, I went with him, and we painted the interior of a a, uh, railroad shop in Pocatello as well. I just did everything I could to take care of my family. And even uh, I worked at the INL for three years doing games while I was doing that, and have had other jobs as well, but yeah, just doing play-by-play in a market like this would never be a full-time that's job. never been. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, that's a lot of the concern when it comes to students who are interested in radio broadcasting or TV broadcasting, right? Um, in smaller markets, if you don't make the big time, you have to kind of supplement your income 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so different today because when I graduated from Rick's, I was able to land at a small station in St. Anthony called KIGO and um, ended up doing South Fremont High School games there at the same time as I was a country DJ. (laughs) And I was terrible as a DJ. I will admit that every day and every night. But uh, uh, that's how I got my start. Today, it's so different. It's almost impossible to find small local radio stations where you can, you know, walk in and find a way to get involved. The best way to do it now is to find some kind of organization like uh, idahosports.com, which does games for high schools all over the state, but only online. Right. And you said that St. Anthony was where you kind of got your start in a small station. Yep. I also read something that you were five rows back in a basketball game, I believe, Um, maybe at the Utah Jazz game. Uh, and you were on a tape recorder, a cassette, and you were doing the game as they were doing it. What happened is I had just been hired full-time at KSL Radio in Salt Lake, which is owned by the church. And uh, just a couple of months after they had hired me, right after my graduation from BYU, um, the Utah or the New Orleans Jazz announced they were moving to Salt Lake. And they picked KSL Radio to be their flagship station. So at that time, KSL ended up doing both BYU and Utah Jazz games, but I produced a couple of sports casts for Hot Rod Hundley, who was their announcer, every uh, afternoon. And then we found out uh, shortly after the season started that uh, Hot Rod worked weekends for CBS TV. He was a third man on their Game of the Week broadcast. And so the Jazz needed somebody to cover. And my boss said, hey, would you be interested in auditioning? I said, oh, would I? (laughs) You bet I would. And so, and I was actually part of the pregame, halftime, and postgame shows then. I would sit right next to Hot Rod Courtside but when I had to audition, they moved me down on press row about five seats from him, and I did the game on a cassette tape. And uh, then after the game, the team's assistant GM came and asked for the tape, and I thought he would take it and go listen to it and let me know later. But he said, hey, do you have a recorder? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, let's hear it. So I put the tape in and played it and... The two minutes he listened seemed like about two years to me at that moment, but after two minutes or so, he reached down, hit the stop button, and he said, you're the guy, you'll be fine. And it blew my socks off. I had almost quit breathing by that time, but it was a great opportunity. I became Hot Rod's backup. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's a dream of mine, to be a a, uh, backup to someone who I admire, right? Oh, don't give up your dreams. So, there you go. There you go. Some of the, the big names that got me into broadcasting and made me interested in this sports broadcasting play-by-play color analyst, John Miller, Dave Fleming, Kruk and Kipe from the Giants broadcast, uh, Vince Scully, another big inspiration of mine. 
What were some of your voices that said that that let you into the world of broadcasting and said, "Hey, I want to do what they're doing." Well, you got to understand, I'm almost 70 years old, so it goes all the way back to when I was probably seven or eight when I first saw NFL football on TV, and I went with my grandmother to spend Thanksgiving with her cousin in Rexburg, and football was on TV after the parade. And Lindsey Nelson, a guy named Lindsey Nelson, always announced the Thanksgiving Day game between the Chicago Bears and Detroit Lions. And Lindsey was the first guy that uh, whose voice captivated me. From there on, it became Vin Scully because I got a transistor radio and I'd lay in my bed at night out in Hibbard uh, trying to go to sleep, listen to Dodger baseball on KFI. And then later as a teenager, I found the Lakers on KNX with Chick Kern and Hot Rod Hundley. And of course, I listened to Bill King do Warriors games and John Miller did University of San Francisco games before he moved on to the Giants. And those were all voices as well as Paul James who did uh, BYU football and basketball for decades. Right. Absolutely. Those are some names to blast in the past. So I'm sure some of our listeners, yeah, I remember that name. Thank you. Nobody yeah. could paint a picture with words in bright colors the way Vin Scully could do it. Wasn't when, he amazing? When he did Dodger baseball. Oh, my goodness. And now with the pitch clock and everything, they have to oh, kind of speed that up. Please. So I, I will forgive them for what they're doing to the game. But <laughs> one of the most inspiring things for me to do is to go to YouTube and pull up the TV broadcast of Kurt Gibson's home run in the World Series against Oakland. And by the way, he hit that off of Dennis Eckersley, who pitched in the minor leagues in Idaho Falls. Did he really? Here in East Idaho. So I watched that and listened to Vin, and I end up choking up every single time. It's that emotional for me. And Vin Scully has since passed away, for those yes. people that don't know. But yep. he was an absolute treasure. He was he started out as a Giants fan. Yes, he did. And then he When they were still in New York yeah, so with the Dodgers. That's all right. I, I admire Vin Scully 100%, and he's one of my heroes. So, yeah. Um, it's definitely, definitely something to listen to. If you want to know what a legend in broadcasting sounds like, First, listen to Jerry Miller, right? oh, no, and then no, listen no. to Vince Scully. I'm no legend. So. I've just been around <laughs> a long time. Well, very good. So you've been broadcasting games for how long now? Well, if you count all of the games that I've done, you got to go back to um, my first year at Rick's College, which would have been 71, and I'm not good enough at math to count back that far, but um, I actually started doing games... Uh, I did the the jazz games when I was at KSL, but on a regular basis, I started doing ISU games in 82, and then uh, when the station gave up the contract, uh, I didn't do ISU games for a number of years, and then restarted in the, oh, the 2000-2001 year, and between women's basketball and all the other women's sports at ISU, uh, softball, volleyball, soccer, 
as well as beginning again in 2008, uh, football and men's basketball, it totals 35 years. Holy smokes. 35 years. Uh, I've got um, a Big Sky Conference tournament coming up this weekend. ISU will play actually um, on the first Monday in February against the University of Montana Grizzlies. That will be my 2170th broadcast for Idaho State. Just Idaho State. Just Idaho State. Oh my goodness! What a what a large career you've spanned, and you've you've run the gamut from. I mean, you mentioned women's soccer, volleyball, softball, baseball, basketball. What has been your favorite sport to broadcast? Well, I've always been told I'm better at basketball than I am at football, but um, I love both games a great deal. I didn't like women's basketball at all, but the first year I did women's basketball for ISU, the women after Christmas had a home game with BYU and they beat BYU's women on a last second shot at the buzzer, which was the very first game of what would become a 21-game win streak. And watching that team that year, I absolutely fell in love with women's basketball. And uh, I got to go to, let's see, two NCAA tournaments with the women's team, three WNITs. And I just have to say, I love basketball because of the flow of action. And uh, it's... But any sport, you know, softball, volleyball, soccer, uh, football, just to be able to watch those young athletes out there, knowing how much time they've put into training and trying to be good students along the way, and then watch them get out on the the field of competition, uh, that's the best part of it, especially when you see the wins and... Um, see them reach their goals. Uh, there's nothing as exciting as winning a game on a last-second shot or touchdown or or goal, whatever it is. Um, and I've been blessed to have dozens, if not hundreds, of those moments in my life. Uh, so it's really hard to pick what my favorite sport is. I love them all. Yeah. It gets the heart racing, doesn't it? The last you know, minute. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about soccer when I started broadcasting. I spent two days boning up for the first soccer broadcast I ever did and learned to fall in love with that sport, too, as slow as it seems to the average person. Well, I, I agree. I mean, soccer is not my favorite, but uh, there are a lot of people around the world that love soccer. And, and when you know the players personally mm-hmm. in any sport— it means a lot more. Absolutely. And you mentioned the 21-0 start, uh, seeing students achieve their goals and their dreams as athletes. What has been your favorite memory from your career? Oh, my gosh. That is a really, really hard question, Chandler. There's ju- there's just been so many, and I've been asked that question so many times. Um just, I would have to say, watching the reaction of the players after 
coming from behind and winning a basketball game after um, falling behind to Boise State and Holt Arena in football and then pulling this uh, globe of death play out of your hat on a kickoff return, which sets up the winning touchdown. Uh, And by the way, that play was set up by uh, Kyle Whittingham, who was an assistant at ISU at the time, who's now the uh, just enormously successful head coach in football at the University of Utah. Um, and you just wouldn't believe the amazing coaches at the college level and pro level who've come through ISU as assistants. It's amazing the filter that it's been for major sports programs. It has just been crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. And now that you are coming to your last broadcast, um, if you were to see somebody like me who's an aspiring sports broadcaster and anyone out there who's wanting to do what you're doing, uh, sit in your chair, if you will, what would be your advice to them? Well, the first thing I would say is if you can't find somebody to work for as you cut your teeth, do it on your own. You know, get your phone, get a recording app on it, which everybody has anyway, and go to a game, find a place where you can sit and announce the game and practice. My very first try came in high school at Sugar Salem as I was videotaping a basketball game and I saw there was a microphone in the case and I taped it to the side of the camera and as I panned that camera up and down the court, um, I just announced the game between Sugar Salem and whoever they were playing. It could have been Teton or West Jefferson or whoever was in our league at the time. And a couple of days later, I was walking past one of the coaches in the hallway at school, and he said, Hey, Miller, I heard you on tape, and you're as good as a local guy on the radio. And that absolutely inspired me, and I just tried to find every opportunity after I got out of high school to do it. And uh, Rick's College gave me the opportunity, even though uh, my future wife was one of the only ones listening, I'm sure. But um, practice, 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 and find something some kind of organization like idahosports.com and get involved that way. I've had a a number of uh, young men that have come to me who have found that as a way into uh, being able to hone and sharpen their skills. And after doing that for a couple of years, and they've done it while they've been in school, um, it either has opened the door for them to get a better job doing that or uh, open other doors for other opportunities for them to be able to move forward with careers in their lives. Um, It's tough to find local radio stations that will hire you, but if you can, you know, you want to do that. But it's hard unless you go to someplace like, oh, Montpelier or you know, really out in the sticks to find stations that do carry high school games. Right. And here's something that I'm curious about. So we have a lot of listeners, obviously, that are students. 
um, and that are aspiring to be that way. But how do you how do you manage career, family, and church responsibilities? Because I know that a career in broadcasting can take up a lot of time. So how did you find success in managing those three aspects? Well, you know, even if you're in the situation I was in, it's going to be difficult. Just any kind of job with church responsibilities in your family. And sad for me to say, there were times that um, I put the wrong thing first. And, um, but it's tough. Um, It's tough to leave your wife and little kids and go on a five-day road trip, you know, and when you walk out the door, they're all crying. (laughs) Those are hard things to go through. But my wife, what a trooper. I would never have been able to get through this without her and never been able to accomplish the things that have come my way uh, without her support and love and her willingness to be the parent while I've been gone. Fortunately, I married a woman who loves sports. Uh, when we were here at Rick's College dating, uh, in one week I took her to seven basketball games and she still continued to say yes when I asked her out after that. I think we went to two Rick's College games, two high school games, and maybe three intramural games that I was officiating. But um, everything you do, do, you know, do it in partnership with your spouse and make sure that you're on the same page because that's going to be so important for your kids. And try to involve your family in what you're, you're doing as well. And that gives you the opportunity to be able to do two roles at the same time. I occasionally would take my kids on road trips with me, which was awesome for them. They loved it. And those are times they will never forget. So uh, the biggest thing is make sure that you partner with your spouse and that you're doing it together. It takes a team. Absolutely. It certainly takes a team. Absolutely. So last two questions. Okay. Uh, when I say Lifetime Achievement Award and Bengals Hall of Fame, what come to mind? Not me. <laughs> I think of, um, oh, you know, obviously I have to think of what I've just gone through, having been inducted into the Hall of Fame with the Lifetime Achievement Award. And I always tell people, it's not because I've been that good, but because I've been that inexpensive. (laughs) Uh, They could get me to do it for uh, not much money. Uh, It's never made me rich, I will say that. But um, how can I not be anything but humbled when... I look at this award, this Lifetime Achievement Award, and look at other people who have received it at ISU as well, including Dirk Cutter, who, who was a head football coach at Boise State and Arizona State, and then an assistant for so many years in the NFL, and actually a head coach in the NFL. Uh, Dirk was given the award a few years ago. Sylvia Pappenberg, who 
has donated so much to ISU Athletics, allowing them to build an outdoor practice field and have the softball stadium named after her. I just don't see me being comparable to those people in any way, shape, or form, and especially to the athletes who have been inducted because of uh, not only their skills and abilities, but the way they've represented ISU throughout the years. It is truly a humbling thing if you say those words to me. And I think, yeah, I'm not sure I belong there. Well, I'm sure a lot of people in your circle would say otherwise. But if you had a chance to talk to our listeners, if those listeners were um, those people that listen to you, do ISU broadcasts, or shaped your career in any way to, the way, to, to where you are now, what would you say to them? The mic is yours. You know, I would have to go all the way back to my teachers in high school, to that coach, Lane Harris, who said those that magic phrase to me in the hallway at Sugar Salem High, uh, to Kay Wilkins here at what used to be Ricks College, and John Haberly, who were amazing, amazing mentors. Um, to the mentors I've had in the industry, from Ted Austin Sr. in St. Anthony to Galen Rowan at KSL Radio in Salt Lake. They've all passed away. They're gone. But uh, they have helped shape my life and my career in so many positive ways. Um, And to the fact that there are fans that are out there that still turn on the radio because they want to hear how their team is doing. And I just want them to know that I have absolutely tried to do the best that I could with the opportunities that they have provided to me and that I feel like one of the luckiest men in the world to have been able to have a career that spanned over 40 years announcing all the different games for all the different teams and organizations. It truly has been a blessing, and I'm grateful to all of them. Well, thank you very much. We're grateful to have you here, and uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks again for, for coming in. Chandler, I'm humbled and honored that you asked. Thank you very much. Absolutely. That was Jerry Miller, who is the voice of the Idaho State University Bengals. And I'm Chandler Guadagnin. You're listening to BYU-Idaho Radio.